if I am only ever afraid to speak up about stuff I feel strongly convicted about, you know, maybe the, maybe the shut up and sing approach, um, I, I would really feel like I was being little more than a, a religious opportunist where I was just using people's faith as a marketing category to make a few bucks. And let's be honest, it's not even that many bucks. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 121 of the Between You and Me podcast. My name is Jessica Morris. I'm an Australian music journalist, and this is the place where we talk to music makers about the things that hurt, heal, and change us in the church. This is kind of like if you could meet your favorite singer and sit and have a coffee with them and hear their story. That's what this is like. I want you to get to know the real people behind the music or the press images or like a press junket. And today is a really good episode for that because I am speaking to Elias Dummer. Now, you may recognize the name Elias Dummer because he was the front man of the City Harmonic for many years. One great thing about Elias is that he's Canadian, which I mean, you're probably thinking, what, who cares? But what I love about that is that he is a transplant in Nashville. He and his family are actually uh, moving to Ohio now. Uh, but because he and his family are from Canada, they have a slightly different perspective. It's slightly less nationalistic. It means that they see what's going on around them and, and what's going on in the Christian music around them with a slightly different perspective. And as an Australian who lived in Nashville for a while, that is something I really value. I think we can really learn from him. Um, aside from the fact that he's a musician, he's also a pastor, a writer. Um, so he has all these different bases covered. Elias is a really credible guy. And as you'll find out through our conversation, quite discerning. Now, Elias is talking to me about his album, which releases today. It is called The Work, Volume 2. As you just guessed, there is a Volume 1. It came out in 2019. Um, and there has been a slight delay on this album because, you know, COVID and life and stuff. Um, so I actually had this conversation with Elias in March last year. But you know what? I went through and edited it for this episode today to coincide with this release. And, oh, it is so good. Elias just keeps dropping all this truth. Um, I had to edit out all my like amens and stuff. So what you hear is only a little bit because I was so excited by what he was saying. It's convicting, it's challenging, but it's also really honest and life-giving. I think if you are feeling disillusioned with the church or perhaps you're questioning, um, how can I more embody Christ in my everyday life? How can I live out the faith that I profess beyond the walls of the church? This is is a great conversation for that. I wouldn't say it's confronting. It's just really honest. And I'm really praying and hope that it emboldens you to live with the integrity and the authenticity that you so, so want to live with. I'm not going to hold you up anymore. The work volume two is full of fantastic songs. And this conversation is at times funny, really poignant and so timely. You're about to hear a short bio about Elias Dummer, the who, what, when, where, why, and then we'll get straight into the episode and some of the tracks. My friends, meet Elias Dummer. Hey, 
Elias Dummer has always brought a fresh perspective to Christian music. Born and raised in Hamilton, Ontario, his faith centred around the mission and collaboration of the local church. Indeed, this is how his name first started to reach music execs ears in Nashville, because as a local worship pastor at his church, he worked together with other church denominations and worshippers to create the band The City Harmonic in 2009. But that wasn't the start of Elias' journey with music. You see, in 2005, years before the City Harmonic was formed, he was actually part of Spring Hill Worship, the worship expression of his church, and he penned songs like Honestly and Do You Hear The Sounds. Around this time, he also started his own band, aptly named Elias. And while his debut solo album, Hope Is Born Again, didn't chart, he did win a 2008 Covenant Award in Canada for his song Faithful Forever. That's like the equivalent of the American Double Awards. But back to the City Harmonic and its formation in 2009. You see, today people remember the City Harmonic for their songs like Manifesto, a track chosen for the 2011 Day of Prayer and which was later performed by Charlie Hall of Passion Music. But the foundation of the band was purely rooted in ministry. They were, after all, the combined house band for an interdenominational student event called Cross Culture, ran by a local ecumenical initiative called True City. With the community receptive to their music, Elias, along with bandmates Aaron Powell, Eric Fusilla and Joshua Vanderland, recorded and released the EP Introducing the City Harmonic in 2010. Now this EP did well. It spent 18 weeks on the Billboard Christian charts and peaked at 26. Not bad for a new house band, right? This EP included the hit song Manifesto. That charted on three individual charts. Are you ready? The Billboard Christian Songs, the Hot Christian Songs, and the Billboard Christian Song Sales Charts. I didn't even know there were that many charts, but here we are. In the next five years, the City Harmonic would release four more albums, and their name became synonymous with singles like Mountaintop and I Have a Dream Feel Like Home. Yet still based in Ontario, they kept their local church mission as a priority, and in 2015, Elias actually co-produced a documentary called We Are the City Harmonic, which detailed the impact of churches in his city working together to create social impact. In 2017, the City Harmonic disbanded and released their final album, Benediction Live. Over the course of their formation, they picked up, are you ready, 12 Covenant Awards, as I said, the equivalent of the Canadian Doves, and they picked up one Juno, which is like the Canadian Grammy Awards. That's mind-boggling. Then Elias and his family made their biggest move to date. They relocated to Nashville, Tennessee, the hometown of Christian music, as you could say. He would take up position at a pastor at a church called The Village, which he actually helped plant. And at the same time, he continued to write music. He would rack up co-writes with Building 49, New Song, Zealand Worship, Big Daddy Weave, Dan Breams, and Todd Smith. He would also write about faith and culture for publications like Huffington Post and churchleaders.com. Now in 2019, Elias released his first solo single in more than a decade, and he did it as an independent artist. The single Enough cemented him as a solo force in Christian music and it spent 25 weeks on the Billboard Christian Airplay charts and 7 weeks on the Hot Christian Songs charts. His album The Work Volume 1, which he successfully crowdfunded for to create, was also a success. It reached number 10 on the Billboard Heatseekers chart and that year he received 7 Covenant Award nominations and won a Covenant Award for Breakthrough Artist of the Year. How was that for launching a solo career? Now, after the release of The Work Volume 1, Elias began prepping for a follow-up album titled The Work Volume 2, 
and his lyrics were shaped by the division, flux and chaos around him as the evangelical church confronted political division, racism and the fallout of power, sex, money and fame. Once again, Elias successfully crowdfunded for the record and he even gave his backers the option of joining his quote-unquote choir. Eventually, he had about 300 people send him voice notes and the first single from this record, Expectation, charted in more than 30 countries across the globe. What? Yes, I yelled that. That's huge. So here we are at The Work Volume 2 and it's been a long time coming. As I said, I chatted to Elias about this album in March 2021, only a couple of months after the Capitol riot in Washington DC, while we were still in the thick of lockdowns due to the pandemic. In the time since, Elias and his family decided to move interstate to Ohio. In fact, they are in the process of doing this right now during the album's release, which is wild. But here we are, and in this thought-provoking and catchy collection of songs, Elias gives us worship songs for every day of the week. Or in his words, this album is for the disappointed who refuse to give up hope. It's for the tired, needing rest for the soul, but worn out on cliches and cheap maxims. Really, this album is for me, and if you can relate to those things, it's yours too. End quote. The work volume two includes duets with Sandra McCracken, Landa Colour, and JJ Heller. I spoke to Elias about the logistics of working with a 300-piece choir, what it's like to live in America's Bible Belt as a Canadian, and why the church needs to look at how we relate to money, sex, power, and politics. Just some easy topics there. Friends, enjoy this enriching conversation. This is Elias Dummer. People know you in Christian music for a lot of things. You're the front man and founder of the City Harmonic. You're a church planter, as I recently found out, um, and you're one of a handful of Canadians in Christian music, which makes my heart very happy because I'm part of the Commonwealth. So there we go. So, oh, there we go. Yes. God, God save <laughs> yeah, the queen clearly, and all. That's where yeah. we're at. Um, so who... <laughs> sorry, not my dad, I mean that. So Elias, who, who are you? How would you define yourself? Oh gosh, that's a question. Um, I'm, I'm probably still trying to figure that out. Um, no, I mean, it's, I'm from Hamilton. So Hamilton, Ontario is kind of like Toronto's New Jersey. Um, it's like if, if New Jersey and if you know America at all, it's, it's as if New Jersey and Philadelphia had a, a, a Portland baby. Like, it's kind of strange. There's this, it's like, it's this steel town that once was kind of the center of industry that spent a long time being kind of Canada's armpit. And then, um, suddenly found it's kind of, uh, hipster paradise turnaround moment. Um, but the funny thing is that on some level, uh, a big part of what played a role in Hamilton trans, tra- Hamilton's transformation was this movement of churches working together uh, for, for a really, really long time. And, and while still true, obviously this last few years has been very divisive and I've not lived in Hamilton, so I don't know how it's going now. But I do know that for most of my formative years, um, there was this really incredible movement of churches from different denominations working together like in a really tangible way. So they would you know share resources and they would work together to figure out where to plant a church of almost any denomination. And I'm um, 
Christian church, of course. But um, just this, there was a real sense of the kingdom of God being bigger than the sort of, dare I say, corporate approach of a single church. And um, that was really formative for me. And it was really kind of what drove the City Harmonic. Um, and, and I was in a youth group that was never terribly large, but took the idea of discipleship, of Christianity, meaning that one is to really die to self and wrap your life around this person of Jesus, um, took it really seriously. And so that was always the kind of my operating assumption. Um, now, of course, I've planted a church and live in the Bible Belt, and uh, it's it's a very different experience. I mean, I grew up, if you're from Australia, you can relate to this, I'm sure. I grew up in a largely post-Christian environment. So now being a recording artist and speaker and all-around nerd and church person in the Bible Belt is a really different experience and one that I can't say I've quite acclimated to, but it's where I am. So um, my wife and I have... Five kids. They are a bundle of fun and ranging in age from five to 14 and strong personalities, everyone. You're doing so amazing. <laughs> we're hanging in there, is about yeah. the best I can say yeah. at the moment. Yeah. Wow. That is quite yeah. the story, even to this point. And I, yeah, even yeah, as someone yeah. who lived in Nashville for a short time as an Australian, I resonate a bit with trying to acclimate and trying to figure out where your footing is and how you fit in this very strange Bible Belts American place. I totally res- resonate with that. Totally, totally. Yeah, well, and it was strange too because the first we first moved here in 2013 and the reality is I was on tour with City Harmonic up until late, like late 2017. And then we still had a few shows for solo stuff. And so I would still kind of travel as a solo artist up until COVID. So really it's, even though my family's been here now, we're going on our eighth year. Um, I've actually really only lived in Nashville in any substantive way for the last two and a half years. So I'm still very new. It's been a strange, like I was traveling most of that time or, or at least a good chunk of the time. And of course, when you're on tour, as much as we were, you know, when you're home, you really try not to be somewhere else. So it was sort of this, you know, Nashville was a house for most of that time. And then, and then the last few years, it's really sort of become a city where I live. And so I'm really acclimating again, um, which has been, you know, a blessing and a curse, right? I mean, it's, a little lonely and also kind of everyone's doing that now. So maybe that's a good thing. And I'm part of the crowd. I don't know. Come with faith like a child. Bring trust and wonder and hands lifted higher and higher. Cause you know he'll carry you home. Faith like the young Bring dreams and vision And a heart that burns With desire To see the kingdom come Expectation
released your first solo music in a long time, in about 2019, um, which feels like a long time ago now because it was before everything happened. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, right, can you tell, right. take me through what has happened since you released the work volume one or what, what has happened since then to now? Because I know you're crowdfunding for the second album right now. Yeah, actually, Ooh. actually just finished Congratulations. Um, and quite successfully. So that was, that's good news. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, no. So I, I, obviously the city harmonic was in the label system, you know, in we, we were with integrity and Kingsway before that and working with uh, capital Christian and all that stuff, which was all, you know, great experience. Um, I, I I'm entrepreneurial enough in personality. I mean, I do actually own a couple of businesses. Um, so it was one of those things where when I did the math at the end of our career, I thought, you know, things have changed and it seems like being indie might be the way to go moving forward, particularly if I want to travel less. Right. Um, and so we did, we went, I, I decided to, you know, not pursue a, a label contract with anything and kind of just went indie. And thankfully it was, uh, uh, really worthwhile. You know, we, we sort of launched, did a crowdfunding campaign for that first record and we exceeded the goal. Um, and then, which allowed me to put out volume one and the song enough. And, um, you know, it's just a simple worship song that really captured where I was at. I mean, you know, we'd broken up a band that had had some success and we were sort of in this, I was in this space of going, oh man, you know, there's this sense in art like sports, I guess that you, it's really easy to think that your value in the market, if you will, um, whatever your value to God or the people you love, I mean, your value in the market is whatever your is only as much as your last at bat. Right. And so I think there was really this kind of wrestling for me in, in, in not trying to place my value in that. And so that song really came from that kind of first section in Colossians and really kind of remembering who Christ is. So if, if, if my value is in what I've done or, you know, my mistakes or any or my performance, how much I earn, whatever, um, then, then my Jesus is too small. And so the song enough really came from that. Um, and that song did really, really surprisingly well. I mean, it was on the billboard charts for like six months or something like that and was all over the radio. And that was not, yeah, it was really, really humbling because it was not something I expected to happen. So that was encouraging. Um, and then, uh, you know, that record came and went and I had a bunch of songs left over from that album. So I released a little EP, um, called the rest volume one, which, um, I, I, cannot help, but I mean, I'm a dad, but I'm just really nerdy. So I'm can't resist <laughs> a good pun. And so, um, base, basically it, you know, the work is intended to be, um, you know, the first half of something where eventually I'll re release a live record and, you know, call it the people or of the people or something like that. Um, so really kind of playing on the word liturgy. Um, but the rest, uh, I, I enjoyed because it's a B-sides EP. So it was songs that were already done and just weren't released. Um, and it also happened to be the, so it was the remaining songs and also an easy album to release. So it was, you know, restful and the rest of the songs. So I, um, I, cheesy as it is, I put that out and that did great as well, you know, in, in Canada in particular, the song was kind of uh, all over the place for a long time, a song called Echoing Holy. And and uh, it's just been really cool to see 
people kind of gravitating towards this. In a lot of ways, you're starting over. Um, and and I, I'm someone who likes to put a lot of checks and balances in my life to make sure I'm doing things like this for the right reasons. Um, and so it's it's been good to see kind of people feeling like it's worthwhile, I guess, is the best way to put it. I mean, I, nothing's going to stop me from writing songs, but I don't have to release them, you know? So I, I, and I, I don't want to if people find that they're tired of hearing it or something. So it's good to, good to see that that's not the case. I've heard it said the gospel is raised Oh, how I need it Say it again till I believe it Oh, how I need it Oh, how I need it Hey, are you a creator? Do you like creating fancy slideshows for church? Or maybe you're a videographer, a podcaster like me. Maybe you just love creating things and you need amazing stock music or videos to fill the needs. That is where Soundstripe comes in. The team at Soundstripe are world-class musicians who have hired world-class musicians to create stock music without all the loopholes of licensing. Simply subscribe and you can select what track you want and license it as many times as you want. It's a great way to support artists and create world-class content. We love our friends at Soundstripe. We have been partnered with them since the first episode of Between You and Me, and we are so grateful for their support. If you would like to use their content or check them out, go right now to soundstripe.com and use the code YouMePod at checkout for 10% off. That is the code YouMePod at the checkout, and you will get 10% off. You're welcome. Hey, it's me again. Big surprise, I know. But you know what I love? Nearly equally as much as good music. I love a good band tea. And I love a good nostalgic band tea, which is why I'm a big fan of the Between You and Me web store. If you head there right now, you will actually find that we have throwbacks to some of the most iconic Christian musicians and plenty of ammunition for the next catch up with the friends you survived Christian college with or who also survived being a PK with. Go check out our t-shirts, our hoodies, our masks, because that's a thing in 2020, and even our phone covers or notebooks. We would love you to take home a piece of Between You and Me and remember wherever you go that you belong here, that you are a part of a family of misfits and worshippers and questioners and people who apparently like nostalgia. Go and check it out now at our website, betweenyouandmepod.com and hit the shop button. Thank you for sharing that so honestly and vulnerably. I think there's so much courage in choosing to go independent because even though you get more freedom and you can share what you want, it's, you don't have any safety net apart from God. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's terrifying. So in light of that, you're, you've just finished recording the work volume two. Um, and I know that there's been a massive crowdfunding thing for that. You're inviting people to be part of the choir, which is awesome. Um, I'm imagining yes. hundreds of yeah. upcoming solo musicians in Nashville leaping at the chance to be part of this. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell me about the work right. volume two? 
Yeah, yeah. So um, I, we actually are underway. So we're recording it now. We're in process. Um, I'm really excited to involve folks who I've come to love and I've never worked with before and who, you know, thanks to COVID, have not been on tour. So I'm co-producing with uh, Brent Milligan. So he's a bit of a legend behind the scenes. Uh, he literally played on Jesus Freak. He is the guy that produced the big uh, David Crowder record that included all creatures of our God and King. He's done uh, all kinds of stuff for Stephen Curtis Chapman for years and years and years. He produced uh, the album by Stephen Curtis Chapman's son, that band. Um, what the, what's their name again? Um, that's embarrassing because they're a really big well, deal. Well, you know what's embarrassing? Uh, I didn't know who this person was. Sorry. I feel like you're filling me in. Oh, well, no, he's, he's, he's so, he's so unassuming. Um, yeah. Colony house. So he's done a bunch of really, really rad stuff. Um, and so he, he and I became friends uh, a couple years ago and we did some, some, uh, writing retreat or, uh, pre COVID. So I guess it was early 2019 or 2020 actually. Um, and, uh, it's just been this kind of great relationship. So, a uh, few of the songs for volume two were actually written on that retreat. And so I thought, man, it'd be so fun to work together on this. So we're doing that. The choir um, is a really interesting thing. So I've always been drawn partly because of the city harmonic thing, I guess I've always been drawn to this kind of blurring the lines between artists and audience thing. Maybe it's a worship leader thing. I don't know, but I, there's this picture, um, uh, I think it's a scene from a Beatles video, maybe for Hey Jude, where the crowd is up on the stage and, you know, they're leaning over the piano and there's just this kind of total, the fifth wall has completely broken down, right? And I love that. And so we tried to do that with the video for the City Harmonic called Mountaintop, where we had people submit their own videos and then we used their videos alongside ours in the music video. And that was really fun. Um, and then I did that with a music video for a song called Good from the Rest Volume 1 as well, um, where people submitted their videos during lockdown and quarantine. And then we put it together as kind of one big compilation video for the music video. And that, that was really fun too. So I've always loved that stuff. And it dawned on me that pretty much everybody has the ability to somewhat cleanly record audio now, whether even, even a voice memo, right? And the technology on the other end is such that it's pretty easy to make that sound like uh, a bunch of people in a room these days. I mean, you can really, you really can kind of mix it down, use some virtualization plugins, uh, to kind of create space around it so that I'm, I could literally get people's voices from across the world, put them together. And what do you know, it's going to sound like a choir in a room. And so I thought, man, it'd be so fun to do that, but I can't really open that up to the universe. Cause then I'm just going to get an, an, an insane, amount of submissions possibly. So we decided that everybody who backs the record gets kind of one, one go at it that they can either give to somebody else or use themselves. And so we'll end up with a couple hundred, uh, voices all together for some kind of real, real special moments on the album. And I'm really, really pumped about it. When my heart beats for the world, for empty promises of peace, I ache, I want something real, and it's you, it's only you. 
reading through the Kickstarter page and you you have a few reasons there for recording the work volume two um aside aside from the fact that yeah. you are a, like a great musician and it's great for people to support you to make music but the thing that caught me was when you talked about and rephrase me if you'd like you mentioned that basically some stuff has come up in the church or that you've noticed in the church that concerned you um and you and you and you've written songs about it you want to sing about this stuff and bring it to the light and grapple with it um can you expand on that for me and what that looks like in the album yeah yeah um it's interesting because obviously one of the side effects of various lockdowns, no matter where you lived, they took some shape. And um, the reality is that, you know, it, there's a, quite a lot of soul searching happens when you can't do the thing you think you're supposed to do in the role you're in. And, and it brought all kinds of things to the forefront in terms of, I think perhaps even some of the idols of the church and some of the ways that we've accepted at face value, maybe, and to be honest for me, some of these things were things I was always a little uncomfortable with, but it was just interesting sort of seeing them play out, you know, um, whether that's the involvement of politics, perhaps as really being a level above our faithfulness and obedience to Jesus, um, people's kind of even just wrestling with the idea that that worship is somehow divorced from uh, our love for our neighbor or justice or our ability to serve and love the people in our community um, meaningfully. And it just, it just, there's a lot of that that has gone on. I mean, there's really, I was listening to a podcast the other day um, talking about kind of this, uh, what do they call it? The, um, the evangelical industrial complex. It's sort of this like connection between what we're doing in the church and commerce and the degree to which the tail is wagging the dog. And I think, yeah, and I, I, and I say that obviously as somebody with a foot in the camp. I mean, here I am releasing records. There's a little bit of money flowing through. I mean, it's by no means making me wealthy, but, but here I am doing it nevertheless. Right. So I, I say that as somebody involved and obviously not saying that everything the church does is broken. Cause I don't believe that's the case. I really do. I still genuinely believe in the church of Jesus. Um, I, I, I just also feel this kind of wrestling with our relationship as the church, our obsession with kind of money, sex and power and how we play it out. And, and I think that we're, we're never going to be able to say with any semblance, of, of decency that we care about disciples, disciple making if we aren't willing to wrestle with the ways that we engage money, sex, and power as the church. 
period. Um, well, and, I, and I don't know how to squeeze that into a worship song, but I've tried in a couple of places. Uh, but uh, so it's 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 a tough it's a tough thing to think through because you know I'm I'm probably you know equal parts in my in my brain anyway the way my brain works I'm probably equal parts preacher to writer and worship leader but but I I you know I'm I have to be thoughtful about how and when I I speak and do what I do and what I speak up about and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I, but I, I think it's important at the very least for us to recognize that it, our worship songs are not, well, I can understand why our corporate worship times look like they do. Um, it, it ought not be divorced from our, the rest of our lives. It ought not be divorced from our real lives. The truth is what we do in worship shapes us and forms us in a really profound way. And if we don't take that responsibility seriously, then no matter how much time we spend singing, it's little more than a soother instead of kind of the iron sharpening iron, fiery discipleship thing that I think worship has the potential oh, to be. Amen. Um, yes. And so I really feel that challenge yes. personally. Oh, thank you for sharing that. That is um, n- not in those, more, like you said that so succinctly and so eloquently, um, but that's, Something, yeah, no, he's doing really well. well. <laughs> That's something that I know I have been wrestling with, especially in light of what's been happening in the last couple of years, um, watching from a distance from Australia. Um, and and this, that's also the mm. conversation I've been having with other artists or other people in the church. Um, and we have people who listen to this podcast. Some of them are right in the church, but some of them have left or are on like the outskirts because they don't feel like they can belong to a corporate body that is what it looks like right now um, be- because of what you're saying. Right. And um, I, I love that when you're being brave enough to go there, even if it feels like something that you're compelled to do because you follow God, but you're being brave enough to go there in a city right. where that is really risky to come out and talk about those things, even eloquently. Um, and that's... Um, yeah, maybe, maybe, oh, it's, no. maybe this oh, is no. public suicide. I, I have no idea, but, but it's, it's, yeah. no, 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 I'm, I'm not offended in the slightest. Don't worry. Um, no, I mean, but, but I, I think it's just sort of the moment that we're in. If I sing a new song, it'd better be one worth singing, not just for a quick bird. God knows that these verses don't bring you call for justice And I hummed a tune You call the righteous Now I'm asking you Tell me how many songs does it take to save the world
I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel it's funny. Sometimes I feel like having come from Canada and having been raised in a largely post-Christian environment, um, by that, I mean, our, you know, it was by no means convenient to go to church. I've sometimes felt like being in the Bible belt is almost like having a time machine where I've, I've been to the future and I, sometimes not always, but sometimes have a sense of where things are going. And I'm like, and, and I, 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 w- I don't want to attribute this to some, um, although I, you know, theologically charismatic in my own right, I don't want to attribute this to some sort of prophetic insight. It's not that it's really just like, Oh no, I've literally was raised in an environment that that seems to be much like where this is headed. And, uh, I, you know, with some sense of, of confidence can say, I, I'm worried about this, that, or the other thing, you know? Um, and, and I think that's, that's true here. I mean, we, we're in a moment where, uh, there's just a lot of really binary, uh, rigid thinking around things where, you know, if everyone just took a few church history classes and a deep breath, we, we might we might be okay, you know, but in, instead we're just kind of really devolving into tribalism that a bit too neatly lines up with political parties in this country. And I just think that's really not what the church is called to be. Yes. I think if we're to look at the Bible and look at the world and look at our lives, then I, I don't see how we wouldn't see, for example, that the church is to stand against racism and yet also stand against capitulating to these sort of uh, obsessions with identities also. I mean, one of the, the baptism alone is death to self to in order to live that Christ might live in me. So I, I can't simply capitulate, no matter how convenient, to one political party or another. Instead, I have to say, no, I'm going to be faithful to Christ and I might vote, participate in a march or whatever it is I'm going to do, but I do so knowing that it is always mm-hmm. a half step because my, my obedience and my faithfulness is ultimately to Jesus. And that looks like loving God with my whole self, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And also Jesus sets it up as a metric based on the Shema, like loving my neighbor as myself, loving sacrificially in the world, in my community, you know, um, doing no different than Israel in exile in Babylon, planting gardens and living life in order that the whole community might benefit. And I, I just am not, I'm not seeing that play out at scale and I'm not doing it perfectly either. So it's not like meant to be, you know, some kind of woe is you thing. It's more just woe is us like Lord have mercy on us for what we're, what we are and what we're being so much of the time. Um, which sounds really dark for a worship leader. I mean, I want to put out like a, I want to put out like an album of like happy clappy joy songs. And I got a couple of those, but, but the reality is I just feel this real burden in my spirit that, that, we need to talk about the ways that we're missing the mark without, again, without collapsing into just somebody else's tribal categories. Yes, thank you. Again, I know I keep saying that, but thank you. Um, you, you do, you articulate that so well. Um, and I think it's so, I use the word refreshing, um, but to, pe- people are talking about this and people are grappling with this. 
Um, but I think there's a there's a general sense at the moment when people are looking at the wider evangelical church in America and they're looking at the Bible Belt in America. There's a general a general consensus of what what that belief system is and what that means politically. Um, and obviously, that's very generalized because we know that there are mm-hmm. people right in the middle of it, and everyone is nuanced. Um, but I I really love that yep. you are using your work and your platform and your community to actually talk about what it means to live like Jesus in the middle of this, because that's, uh, even though it's like what we're called to do, that's really difficult and challenging. And that's, that's what I meant when I said it's really risky. I meant that as a term of respect, um, just because, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, because, oh, because thank you. Yeah, yeah. everything, what we know about the evangelical church is like, I'm part of it too. I'm charismatic as well. I'm a music journalist. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But what we know is that it, it's so comfortable right. in how it works it loves what it loves and it hates what it hates and to to talk about things that are uncomfortable can really rub people the wrong way even though you don't mean it to um but i i think there's power in the right. fact that there are a whole bunch of people who love and respect you and will listen to you and i think that's what makes your work so powerful is because you're actually opening up that conversation to people which is really, really cool. Me, here with you Where we've been, what we've been through Mile after mile And all this time, Lord, it's been you Carry, Lord, you carry Lord, you carry Lord, you carry Nothing to prove So What may come Let it come Cause you'll see me through Carry Lord you carry Lord you carry Lord you carry me Yes you do Well, thank you. Yeah, no, I, I, that's really kind of you. I mean, I, I, I think, I think if we don't, here's the thing, if we don't, then to me, and this isn't to cast aspersions at others, but just to look at myself, um, if I am only ever afraid to speak up about stuff, I feel strongly convicted about, you know, maybe the, maybe the shut up and sing approach, um, I, I would really feel like I was being little more than a, a religious opportunist where I was just using people's faith as a marketing category to make a few bucks. And let's be honest, it's not even that many bucks. So it's, it's like, it would just be kind of pointless opportunism really. So I'm, I'm sort of in this spot of going, you know, I, I this is worthwhile doing this matters. Um, and it matters for particular reasons, you know? And, and I think if we don't, if we don't as Christians who enjoy thinking, you know, I mean, I, I don't really fall into a category. I mean, I love science. I'm really into neuroscience. Um, there's a lot about faith that I think has too often been pigeonholed, um, 
into 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 sort of various hardline fundamentalisms, I guess. Um, and the problem is that they're actually distinct from like traditional confessional Christianities. There's a lot of people I come across who believe that a belief that they hold has always been held by the church, not even realizing that the belief they hold is less than 200 years old. So there's, there's sort of this like kind of gap between the lived life of Christians and what Christianity has always been. And unfortunately, if we don't talk about it and we don't start to say, no, Christianity is these things that, that happen to bleed across all of these various denominations and movements across the world, which have inspired and taken shape in countries and cities and are still doing so all around the world, the, the global South and the G8 alike. You know, If we don't do that, then we're continuing to force people into this binary between um, like almost like atheists or agnostic deconstruction and like again, capitulating to like a political movement or, or trying to play for power. And, and, and it's just, we've never been good at that as the church. We're great as the salt of the earth. We're great when we're washing feet. We're great when we're in the streets doing what we need to be doing. But if we're fighting for our entitlements, um, I don't see it working out for us. Yeah. That's, that's really, really good, really challenging and really, really good. Thank you. Um, I, they're, they're <laughs> I think I might, I think I'm, I think I need to get on a different train. I'm hurt. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, no I'm, this is, I'm just no, this is, this is, I love this conversation. There is so much to this and I love it. And it feels awesome. It's, it's challenging, but in the best way, like this is what needs to, to happen. The conversations that need to happen. And I'm so, so grateful. Thank you for just going there. It's the best. It's the best. Awesome. Um, awesome. No, no, good. I, I, I appreciate <laughs> um, that. I have, I have like, they're my quote unquote serious questions. I have some like popcorn questions, but is there anything else you wanted to talk about, about the album sure. or anything before I leap into that? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that, prob that probably covers, a, that probably covers a lot of it. I, I think I, I, if I had one thing to say about the new album, um, it would probably be, uh, yeah, that, that we've sort of like, as worship leaders, there's this sort of pressure to just write new songs, you know, and we're all kind of trying to chase this, this, thing. And, 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 and I guess the thing for me is like, I, I've really been wrestling with trying to write when I have something to say, um, which is different than the discipline of sitting down to write, but feeling like the spirit and, and God has actually given me something to say has become something important to me in this, in this area. Um, the discipline of writing a song, sure. I can write a country song or a pop song or any day of the week, but if I'm going to write a, a congregational worship song, I'm, I'm, giving people words to pray, whether that's personally or corporately. And, and, and I want to take that weight seriously by not treating it the same as checking something off my checklist or delivering on a quota. Um, and so I, I've really tried to kind of do that well here. And I don't know if I've succeeded yet. We'll see. You know, <laughs> talk to me in a year. But, but I think we're, you know, it's certainly the, certainly the conviction that I've held coming on the way in. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm grateful for that. It's been a refreshing process because of it. Unconditionally 
love by the measure of love that I bring I'm not who I know I'm known by the king of all kings Jesus, you are questions um just things i randomly wondered and there's nowhere else to ask them so number one okay if you could only sing one city harmonic song for the rest of your life which one would it be and why oh (laughs) darn um oh geez so i would this might surprise people um i mean I, I, I'm not one of those guys who begrudges people for liking a song. So like manifesto is tons of fun because if, if I'm playing to a room that haven't figured out who the heck Elias Dummer is, I can just play that song and it solves the problem <laughs> usually. Um, so, so I can't really like, I don't want to hate on that. That's a, that song opened doors that I never imagined I would yeah. be able to walk through, you know? So I, I, manifesto would be one, probably the top one. Holy wedding day. I love to play. I love th- what that song does in a room and, and how God uses it in people. Um, but the one that I play most of all and am drawn to is, is still a song called yours um, which is just this big thumper from I have a dream. And, uh, it's just cause it, it does in a worship song, what not a lot of worship songs do in terms of the way that it just kind of hits in the chorus and, and the, the, the central theme of that song really is kind of that all unrelenting commitment, all self commitment to be, being and living for God and, you know, yours, all of it is yours. Um, and, and I just, there's something to that that really still resonates with me as something I, I really want to be true in my life and want to help be true in others as well. Um, if you could collaborate with anyone, living or dead, who would it be and why? Oh, man. Um, I still have not co-written with Matt Redman. Oh. I have met him. I, so... I could tell a funny story if you like. We so Please. Matt Redman, Matt Redman is basically a hero of mine and he doesn't know it. And I guess he will now. Um, so Matt Redman is a hero of mine and his album, the father's song, which I don't even think he would think of as being a very like significant album in his career, at least I don't, maybe it was, I don't know, but that album really meant a lot to me in terms of like what was going on with my family at the time when that album came out. And I was, I was a kid, I think it was in late high school and, uh, it really, really mattered to me. And so I was super excited about the potential to one day meet Matt Redman because we're on the same record label and all this stuff. So we're over in the UK and I encounter my friend named Matt Podesla, who's a guitar player who plays for everybody, but he played for Matt. And uh, he was like, hey, by the way, um, 
Well, anyway, so I'm excited to meet Matt Redman. While I'm sitting in this at, at Big Church Day out in the UK, um, which is a festival that happened at a castle, um, as strange as that sounds. And so all the artists are staying in a castle. So I'm, I'm sitting in this great room with my wife and Pete Gregg, who founded 24 seven prayer. Um, and we're just talking and in walks Matt. And, uh, I'm like, Oh, Hey, he's like, Oh, Matt, Eli. Great. Nice to meet you. But he really just came in to say goodbye to his friend, Pete. So really all we did was say, Oh, hi, I'm Eli. Hi, I'm Matt. He's heading home. So he's well, nice to meet you. And then he left. That was it. Right. So I'm thinking, oh man, I hope I get another chance to talk to Matt. Cause that was like, not what I, you know, I wanted to have a conversation of some kind. Um, and so he left. Well, I, as I'm leaving that very conversation, I go outside and I bump into my friend, Matt Podesla, who played guitar for him. And Matt Podesla comes up to me and goes, Hey, did Matt, did Matt see you? Did Matt find you? I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, so I first heard about your band, the city harmonic because Matt Redman made me listen to your album what? because he was so excited about it at the time. And he's like, and he was eager to meet you. And what? so I was like, what do you, what do you mean? He was eager to meet me. He says, Oh, he was, he was like, he was, he mentioned to me that he was excited to say hi to you and meet you. So I was like, Oh darn. Well, being the Canadian guy that I am, I didn't go, Oh, I am Eli of the city harmonic. We should know each other. Now. <laughs> of that i just said i just said oh i'm i'm eli nice to meet you so i was just some random eli in the great room and so he came and went and so which is fine i had no problem with that but but it's so funny because i found it afterwards and of course i've never bumped into matt again but like (laughs) i found out afterwards that basically he had been looking to meet me but he didn't know what i looked like so he never like neither of us figured out that this was supposed to be a conversation and so wow. I was just the polite Canadian kid. He left and my hero came and went and uh, I never, never met him again, never not crossed paths with him again, but found out that he was supposedly excited to meet me and just didn't realize I was me in the moment. Wow. Well, Matt Redman, if you were yeah. out there, I'm like, yeah, if you want to listen to my Matt podcast Redman. and to collaborate here, this would be amazing. Oh, That's wow. so funny. What a story. Okay. Can we speak that into being? Is that still biblical? I don't know. We'll figure that one out. (laughs) Let's make it. Yeah. Well, we'll let somebody tell us on Twitter in a couple of weeks. They'll figure it out. (laughs) Yeah, so true. Um, My last question for you. If you could go back uh, to, let's say, the day before you had your first rehearsal as what we now know as a city harmonic when you sort of collaborated with all these other people from churches in your area, what would you say to yourself knowing what you know now? Oh, dang. Um, you know, actually this, the start of our band is something we did well. We were really careful. Like, and so I would almost say this to other people cause this I'm grateful for in our career. You hear a lot of horror stories about how bands break up and the relationships after the fact. And the truth is when you start a band, yes, you're doing something important and ministry oriented, but it is a business and there's money that changes hands and roles to be played and all kinds of stuff. And what we did when we started the band, because I had already been involved as a writer and in in the publishing deal and to and from Nashville, a bunch was we started with an awkward conversation. So the first thing we did was lay out numbers and lay out how we were going to organize, how songs would be split up. And we did it in a way that protected our relationships. Um, and, and we really were intentional about that all along to, to 
prioritize our friendship and our relationships, the four of us, uh, over and above any one of us just being greedy or selfish or anything like that. So we were really, really intentional. We even had a friend of ours, a mutual friend, to kind of be in the room with us as a witness so that we could kind of have that conversation. Um, so, you know, we did a lot of things, some things poorly, some things well. But one thing I'm really, really proud of is the way that we started. We, we started by saying, these friendships, these four of us, we matter to one another. Um, this is important. And uh, we're going to protect that in the way that we lay out our business and the way that we lay out what we do. And uh, as a result, when we retired as a band, we retired as friends. And I think that's very significant. So I'm grateful for that. Jesus is for us. Day after day after day, we'll never stop singing. Christ is victorious. Christ is victorious. how many times I thought I'd offended Elias and he was like no you didn't offend me I am so grateful (laughs) it could have gone really south but Elias was honest and compelling he held his grounds but he was so friendly um I can see why he's such a good songwriter speaker writer he knows he knows God so well he knows his theology so well and I really appreciated how he communicated that with me Friends, you can get The Work Volume 2 now. It is out today. Let's celebrate. Go and buy it, stream it on any platform. The vast majority of songs that you heard today also come from The Work Volume 2. However, there were a handful that came from the first album. So if you would like to check out all of his tracks, definitely go to EliasDummer.com for more information. That is E-L-I-A-S-D-U. M-M-E-R. You can also connect with Elias on Instagram at Elias Dummer. Please go give him a follow. Let him know how much you appreciate these songs or if this if this encouraged you or challenged you or made you think about things differently. That's the whole idea of this. Thank you, Elias, for catching up with me. Thanks for waiting while, while we sort of waited for this album release for the interview to go live, but it was so worth it. So, so worth it. Um, it's been wonderful listening back to this and hearing how your music corresponds so thank you all right team that's all for this week we're about to close out with a track from our friend john tibbs he just released a single called lay your head down which is delightful we'll be back next week with an interview with the band's local sound they are a house church in nashville tennessee and i had the most authentic organic conversation uh with these two that was so fun and I feel like we'd be friends in real life and just hang it was great um so to make sure that that arrives in your inbox or whatever the heck you call that 
podcast feed. There you go. Um, Make sure that you're subscribed on any podcast platform. And please, would you mind giving us a rating too? We would love five stars. As I've said before recently, there is like a blossoming of Between You and Me podcasts which is fantastic for all those podcasts, but people can't find us. So would you please leave a review? Um, And also share this with your friends, share it on your social media. Make sure that you follow us on social media too um, for little snippets and updates and things like that. We are at Between You Me Pod. Uh, And we have a website. I should probably mention that. We are at betweenyouandmepod.com. And as always, those links are all in the show notes. So you can click on them if you didn't catch anything that I just said or if you can't understand my accent completely, it happens. That is all for today. I hope you enjoy this track by John Tips. Until next week, my name is Jessica Morris. Here's to hope. Are you tired? Are you scared? Do you wonder if there's anyone who cares? Well, if you're lonely, if you're afraid, if you're praying for an end to all this pain, you can lay your head down, bring your troubles and your fears. You can lay your head
Yeah.